Well, um, last week we, we talked about the Rooted campaign that we're starting, a conversation beginning last week and these next several weeks sharing about the purchase of this building. And I want to uh, just take a minute, anytime, anytime you make, we make big decisions, it's important to talk through a process and then a plan. And we did that last week. We had uh, Keith Robinette and Todd Walter and Mike share a little bit about the process. Well, I want to take just a minute and talk to you about the plan. And so uh, if you received this last week and if you weren't here and you didn't get it in the pew in front of you, we have these uh, brochures. And so feel free to pull it out if you haven't seen it. And in the brochure, it outlines our plan. Uh, Our goal with the Rooted Campaign is to raise $300,000 to purchase and renovate this facility. Now we're buying the the building for 500,000, which is, as we shared last week, God's grace uh, to us to, to purchase it at that price. Uh, but we're uh, raising money uh, for a down payment to purchase and then provide some renovations. And we have a team of people right now that are beginning to work and consider what are the renovations that need to be done. Uh, but our goal is $300,000. And so what we're asking you to prayerfully consider is to pledge to give toward that campaign for the next two years. Uh, typically, capital campaigns can range from about two to three years, and we wanted a shorter campaign, so we landed on two years with the goal of raising $300,000. And so um, I want to invite you uh, to prayerfully invest in this work. And here's why I am personally so excited about it. Um, Megan and I, we, we tithe here at Scarlet City. We give to uh, organizations that are doing ministry in the, in the city on top of that, invest in church planners and missionaries on top of that. And so when you're, you know, another thing, it can feel fairly daunting. And so we had to pray about it, think about it, plan for it. And we felt like God led us to give a few hundred dollars a month toward this campaign. And now anytime you're making that kind of decision, we know when you're giving to something, when you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to other things. And why we as a couple and why we as a church want to say yes to this is uh, one of the reasons, one of the things we're going to talk about this morning. We believe uh, owning this building, we're not excited about it because we want to cut the grass and change light bulbs and plow snow when it snows. These are, you know, things we're going to have to do that we've never had to do. One of the reasons we're excited about it is because we believe this building will better enable us to be rooted here and bless this community. What we're about is so important. The gospel is needed now more than ever. And so it's not just sermons and gathering on a Sunday morning. That's great. To be able to have our own sound system where things don't go crazy, (laughs) this morning sound system, you know, setting up last minute, doesn't always go according to plan. To have a nice sound system that's here, that's great. But to, but to provide a place for our key partners to come and minister, to provide meals for those in need, to make the gospel tangible in ways that a Sunday morning can't make it tangible. Those are some of the things we're so excited about. And so I want to invite you and ask you, I know... <laughs> New Year, January, money is tight for a lot of us uh, to prayerfully consider investing in this campaign. And you can do that uh, by, there's a pledge card, filling it out, turning it in. We're asking people if you're able to turn it in by the end of the month. 
And no pressure. You know, I know we're all in different places, but I want to ask you to just prayerfully consider that. Well, our sermon this morning, we're going to have a sermon and another interview. Mike's going to be preaching from Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah 29. I'm going to read our passage. It's uh, 29 verses 4 through 7. Jeremiah, don't, don't know, don't hesitate to use the table of contents, uh, or iPhone's always easy. All right. Verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. The word of God for the people of God. Jay, um, like Jay said, uh, my name is Mike. Uh, And we are going through a series that talks about what it looks like to be rooted in the gospel and how that is connected to the season of the church where we're in the process of purchasing this building. So there's a lot of things that are going to change, cutting grass, changing light bulbs, things that we're not excited about. Jay, you can sit with your wife if you like. So there's a lot of things that are going to change in the way that we do things. We've existed for seven years Uh, being a a nomadic church, moving around, finding places to be, meeting in the city. And now we're going to have a central location, uh, a place uh, to gather and serve the community, a place to equip uh, each of us here to live in ministry and a place to multiply disciples and to multiply churches. Last week, we talked about what does it look like to equip the church for the ministry. And today we're going to look at what does it uh, look like to serve the city. Now, like I said, a lot of things are going to change. And that's a, that's a little bit hard sometimes. But also a lot of things are going to stay the same. Our vision, our mission, and our values are going to stay the exact same. Once again, just like Jay said, this is going to be a shorter sermon. Just going to talk for 15 to 40 minutes. And then after that, uh, Jacob Beach, one of our other pastors, and Jenny, who is the director, is the deacon of our mercy ministry, they're going to come up and talk about what it practically looks like to do serving with using this building as our resource. And we're really excited to re-envision us, what it looks like to serve, but then talk practically. Uh, So I was thinking the other day uh, about playing games. We're a church that likes to play games, and a game that I love playing was sardines. Has anyone played sardines before? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a great game. I've played with some of my cousins who are here. We played sardines, and it's pretty much like hide-and-go-seek, except way better. It's just just better than hide-and-seek. Everybody is looking for one person. So one person goes to hide, and they pick a great hiding spot, and everybody looks for them. So it's just, it's chaos. You know, you don't do it in winter because if no one finds you, you're in trouble. But you look for someone, and then when you find that person, you don't just say, I tagged you, now you're it. You actually hide with them. So when you find them, you hide with them. And now, a hiding spot is supposed to be 
pretty good spot. It's supposed to be in the mud or dirt or in a tree. It's, it's almost always just filthy. It's just a mess. And so when you find someone, you get down with them and you engage where they are and you hide together. And so at first, if you're the first person to find them, it's just two people. But then a third person finds you and they get in there with you and fourth and fifth and sixth. And it just is crazy and crazy and everybody's in this spot together. The more people that are there, the easier it is to find them. The more people that are there, it's easier to join because there's, you know, six people hiding in one spot. But also it's more fun to be together too when you're all bundled up in a disgusting hiding spot. And really when I think about what does it look like for increased serving, I think this is a great example. Now, stay with me. Because a lot of us, we want to play hide and seek. We want to run around and we want to point to people and say, I found you. And that's the end. But it's not just finding, it's also engaging. It's also digging in and being alongside. So that's what I want to talk about this morning as we're looking about our passage. What does it look like to dig in alongside a community? To dig in beside the community as we live life together. So we're in this passage in Jeremiah. I want to give about three, two minutes of a background. So essentially, there's a group of Israelites that were exiled to Babylon. That is not their home. That is not where they live. And they're exiled in Babylon. They're upset. Anytime you're exiled, I think you're allowed to be upset. And there's different prophecies coming from different prophets. And in chapter 28, so we're in chapter 29, chapter 28, there's a prophet, Hananiah, who said, hey, everyone, don't worry. In two years, you're going to go back home. Don't do anything like just sit tight for two years. And then the yoke of Babylon is going to be broken and you're going to be sent back home. And so this is where this text comes in now, where Jeremiah is talking about building homes and planting gardens. It's saying, he's saying that you're going to be here for a while. So make it your home. Make it your home. And to be honest, Everybody here feels like an exile. Every single one of us feel like an exile in one degree or another. I was listening to a radio a while ago, and they had done a study recently that said every socioeconomic group feels like the other groups are getting special treatment. Every single socioeconomic group feels like the other group is getting special treatment. It's because it's hard living in this world today. And maybe you feel like an exile because uh, you have young kids and it's hard to connect. Or maybe you feel like an exile because you have no kids and you want kids. Maybe you feel like an exile because you're an ethnic minority in a majority culture. Or maybe you feel like uh, an exile because you're single and all your friends are married. Or maybe because you're married and all your friends are single. All of us, in one degree or another, are feeling the pressure and the tension of feeling like exile. So this text, although isn't uh, written to us right here in Columbus, it has huge implications about how we live and engage in our community. And I want to look at those. Uh, I'll say them real quick. The first thing is to live invested. Live invested. The next one is to live encumbered. Live encumbered. And the last one is to seek the welfare of others. We're going to go through these in just the next 13 minutes. The first one is to live invested. Jeremiah says, build houses and live in them. Build houses and live in them. 
Now, this is not, you know, if I was a realtor, I'd say, and here's my card, and you can buy a house through me. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, be invested where you are. Because at the time, they were living in tents. They were living outside the city. They were not invested in the well-being. They weren't invested in the community in Babylon. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm renting versus owning, it's very different. When I get a Blu-ray disc from the library and my kids are getting their peanut butter fingers all over it, I'm like, that's fine. But when they get my Star Trek copies on Blu-ray that are collectible, I'm like, that is not for you. Do not touch that. Do not even think about it. Even thinking my family and I, we lived uh, on Indianola a while ago, and it was a great place. It was a great place, and we rented there, uh, but there was some water damage in the kitchen, and so the ceiling was caving in. And you know what we said? We'll be gone in two years. It's not a big deal. We can put up with it. And a lot of us are living in communities renting. Not physically renting, emotionally renting. This is not my problem. This is not mine to fix. But Jeremiah says, build houses. Invest and be here. When we think about investing and making our home a place, it's scary. And there's a really big risk. But I want us to remember that Jesus made his home here. Jesus dwelled in the heavenly places in a perfect community. And he came to make his home among us. So firstly, we want to build houses. We want to invest here. But also investing is planting gardens and eating the produce. Has anybody planted a garden in here? All right. Jamin, when did you plant the seeds? Okay, who is, who is, okay, so you're going to plant in March, and when are they going to grow up? Like, when are you going to get to eat the, okay, so March and then into June and July. So there is a time investment. There is a time investment. Now, I like to uh, cook things on the stove because, like, worst case scenario, it's like seven minutes. It doesn't take that long to cook something on a stovetop. But to start a project that I won't get to reap the benefits until, what would you say, early summer? March is just around the corner. And not to be able to enjoy it until summer, that takes some long-term investment and some patience. And it's not even just that we're waiting, it's also it's preceded by hard work. You have to like, I'm assuming, do you have to like get on your hands and knees? Whew. You have to do actual manual labor, and then you wait. This is how we're supposed to view our community engagement. To get on our hands and knees to work and to plant seeds and to wait. But there's not just a waiting. There's also, uh, it's not just I'm going to go inside and then come out when winter is over and all my fruits and vegetables will be there. There's an active care an active tilling, an active looking, learning, participating. Jeremiah says, plant seeds and eat the produce. And just like living in homes, this is an investment, a time, uh, an energy investment. And we remember that we're not just supposed to look at what needs to be done, but we look at what Christ has done. We look at the fact that Christ made his home here 
and he planted gospel seeds in people. He invested in people. You know, throughout the gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's this thing that Jesus uses to teach called a parable. And parables are planting seeds. Because he doesn't just tell us an answer, he tells us a story. A multifaceted story. He's planting seeds in people. So we're called to live invested in this community. Buying homes, owning this community. Planting seeds for the long haul. But it's not just live invested, it's also live encumbered. And I love this word because it sounds like a nasty word. Encumbered, like who wants to be encumbered? When I think of encumbered, I think of like the sixth grader who's like going to school for the first time and like he's all these bags, or not all the bags, that's, that, I think that's next actually. All these books and the sixth grader is like literally having to like lean forward to be able to walk appropriately. That's what I think of encumbered. I don't want to be encumbered. But when we look at this text, Jeremiah tells them in verse 6 to have a spouse, have children, have grandchildren. So thinking about the context, these people, they don't want to have kids. They don't want to have grandkids because they want to go somewhere else. Has anyone traveled with kids? It is terrible. It is terrible. Just this summer, my family drove to Estes Park, Colorado, and it is a vacation that we looked forward to for five years and saved up for, and zero, when we had zero kids, we're like, this is going to be great. This is going to be real good. And then we had three kids in five years. We said, this is going to be different. All right, here we go. <laughs> and it was hard, and it wasn't, the road trip wasn't particularly enjoyable. I mean, we had an iPad, so it worked out. I don't know how people parented before iPads. You don't want to travel with kids, and, and they didn't want anything to tie them to Babylon, to tie them down. They wanted to live like Pinocchio, it's got no strings. Come on, guys. And a lot of us want to live that way in a community. We don't want to have any strong connections. We don't want to have a family that makes us want to stay here. We don't want to have deep, deep connections that would make us hurt if that were to change. So a lot of us live protected lives not investing in anyone, not allowing anyone to invest in us, not connecting, not having deep family ties to people here. Once again, that is scary. I, I, I'm a pretty big introvert personally. Uh, and I, I grew up, my dad was in the military, he moved around all the time. So I'd have friends for one or two years and then move on. So being here and being here long-term, it, it's a little scary having friends that are friends for a long time and have known me. But this is what we're invited to, to have these connections, to make it hard to leave this community. And once again, just like how we looked at Jesus made his home here, Jesus planted gospel seeds here, we remember that Jesus connected himself to people. He didn't have to do that. He could have just appeared in the desert as an adult man, and then taught, and then left. But he didn't do that. He chose to have a mom. 
chose to have siblings. Chose to have friends. Knowing what was set before him. Knowing that he would leave. Knowing that he would have to die on the cross. He chose to be connected. He chose to be encumbered. So we see that we must live invested and we must live encumbered. And then I love this in verse 7. It says, seek the welfare of the city. So lastly, we're going to look at what does it look like to seek the welfare of others? Because it's not just about being connected. It's not just about being invested. But it's also about seeking the welfare of others. I want you to recall that story at the beginning, that game about sardines, playing sardines. It wasn't just find somebody and the game is over. It's find and engage, find and be with them. So when we think about seeking the welfare of others, it involves two different things. Firstly, uh, inquiring, learning, seeking to understand the community that we're a part of. And then it doesn't just stop with inquiring, but it turns into engagement, being fully there in the dirt and in the mud. So when we inquire, what are we inquiring of our community? Well, firstly, we need to inquire the needs. We need to ask honestly, what does this community need? What do our neighbors need? You know, when I moved to my neighborhood in Northland, I uh, wanted, I was like, man, you know what these people need? Like a a backyard party. That's what they need. And we're going to have grill outs and everybody's invited. And that's not what they needed. What they really needed was for us to go to them for us to invite ourselves over to their home. Because a lot of them are older folks. A lot of them are widows and widowers, and they just need help around the house. So they're not going to come over and play sardines with me in my yard. So understanding the needs of the community that you're a part of. But it's not just the needs. We also need to understand what's working. And to be frank, this is something that Western Christians have lately struggled with a lot, is there's a tendency to kick down the doors and try to provide a bunch of different things that somebody is doing a great job of. And so when we inquire our community, it's not just what do you need, but what has blessed you? What can we partner alongside with and be a part of that? That's part of the reason that we love the community meal, what Jay had shared, that we have on this Wednesday in the evening and email us, (laughs) email Jenny, in your bulletin. We love that because NCLC had already been doing it. We didn't want to start a competing meal night. Hey guys, on Wednesday at 7.30, there's a meal in the fellowship hall, but also on Wednesday at 7.15 is a different meal. And a lot of times, that we, that's what we can do. We can divide resources that the city and the community has and try to fix things that somebody's already investing in. Somebody is already pursuing peace and prosperity. And for us to ask what's working so that we can join alongside of it. And this is kind of bleeding into what I'm saying, but it's not just inquiring, it's engaging. It's not just gaining information, but asking how can we be a part of blessing this community? How can we be a part of making this a peaceful, 
prosperous community. You know, when I think about engagement, there, there are a lot of differences that we have with all sorts of people. Different values, different personalities, uh, different ways of communicating. It's really hard. And I can talk up here and kind of portray it as like, oh, you like vanilla and I like chocolate. <laughs> oh, brother. But it's so much deeper. And to be honest, it's very hard to engage in a community that's different than you, to fully invest in love and allow ourselves to be encumbered by a community that is different than us. And I want to say this in closing. We've continued to look back at the work of Christ, the character of Jesus, and the character of God, and how he has engaged people. And we'll think about this. Jesus made his home here with us. He left his heavenly home to be with us. He planted seeds. Seeds that took time and investment and care. He connected himself to people. Friends. Family. And all these people were different than him. All of these people needed him. Remember that Jesus, he died on a cross for me, even though I was deeply different than him. He came for me, and he came for you, and he came for us, even though we were deeply different. And it's only when we look to Christ, rest in his love, his character, his work, that we can look at the community that's around us and be able to fully engage, that we can engage and inquire, that we can invest, that we can allow ourselves to be tied to a place and to a people. So I'm going to pray in just one moment, but uh, we are really excited about what it looks like to continue the mission with owning this building. And that's why we wanted to have shorter sermons for the next couple of weeks so we have time and energy to be able to talk practically about what this is going to look like. So I'm really excited to engage in this conversation more. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you did not create this world and become unengaged. We thank you that you came to us through Christ that he's made his home here with us. That he has planted gospel seeds in our hearts that continue to grow. We thank you that through the Holy Spirit, you continue to encourage and admonish us in the gospel that you do not leave us alone. We thank you that you've connected yourself to us, that you have tied your life to ours. Lord, we thank you that Christ has died for us even when we were extremely different than you, when we were hostile, when we were enemies. Lord, give us the same vision, the vision to invest here, to invest in our community, in our neighborhood, in our workplace, 
who allow ourselves to be tied to a people and to a place. And ultimately, allow us to seek the welfare of others so that you would be glorified in our hearts and in our lives and in our communities. We pray all this in the name of your Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, hello. Is this on? Great. Thank you, Pastor Mike, um, for that. You want to come a little closer to me? Yeah. <laughs> um, not that close. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, thank you, Pastor Mike, for uh, sharing that with us. I'm going to try not to slouch. I just realized I'm kind of crouched over a little bit. Uh, my name is Jacob Beach. I'm one of the pastors here at Scarlet City Church, if you'll believe it. And... <laughs> Uh, I'm here with Jenny Hunt. Jenny is the deacon serving uh, in leadership over our Mercy Ministries, our uh, sort of outwardly focused missional uh, ministries. And we are going to have a short discussion, have a, um, a few questions that I want to ask her for all of us to, to sort of hear and, and be in discussion about with... This is fun. We should do like a podcast or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, had a, I have a defunct podcast. Don't, find, don't look for it. Um... And we're going to just talk about some things. Okay, get to the questions. All right, first question, Jenny. As a church, okay, what is our vision and philosophy of serving, mercy, mission, and justice ministries? So when we talk about being a people joining God's story of transformation and renewal, that transformation, that renewal is, is spiritual transformation and spiritual renewal, but it's not just spiritual, right? When we talk about the brokenness of the world, it is spiritual brokenness, but it's also relational brokenness. It's brokenness between us and nature. Um, there's, there's brokenness in so many areas. And so the story that God is writing involves renewing all things. We talked last week about all, all the sad things coming untrue, right, in Jesus. And that is this story. And so it's not just the proclamation of truth, although it is absolutely the proclamation of truth, but it is also looking at Jesus and how he entered in and he met tangible human needs. And if we forsake that peace, then it's not really the proclamation of the kingdom because the kingdom coming means that things are being made new. All broken things are being renewed and, and it's a slow process and sometimes it feels painfully slow, but it is what we are called to. And so our investment in these things and serving and mercy and justice, it is because that renewal, that transformation is for all things. And so that's our vision. That's what we want to be a part of here at Scarlet City. We want that um, to respond to that calling. Paul says that we are ministers of reconciliation, that God is making his appeal through us. So he could have chosen to just like send angels all to all the places to do all the things and to say all the things. And, and he chose us. He asked us to be his ambassadors. And Again, that there is a huge proclamation piece to that, but it's not just proclamation. It is also being willing to meet needs and to address issues of injustice, to address issues of disparity. And again, uh, that's part of our role as ambassadors. It's, it's 
an exciting and challenging and daunting part, but it's a very, very real part of what we have been called to do. And I'm sure many people here are already somewhat familiar or at least heard some of the names of some of the things that we've been involved with, but I was wondering if you could also share what are some of the things that the church has already been engaged with or, or up until now, things that we have supported and been a part of. Yeah, so I think this goes really, you know, Mike was talking about trying to not divide in terms of resources, but really thinking, thinking strategically about that. And, and I think our vision really has been strategic partnerships. So what is already happening, what organizations are already doing these things, and, and how can we come into and alongside those organizations and say, here, we have some resources, we have some people, we have some energy, we have some excitement, we have some money maybe, and we want to put our weight behind what it is that you are doing. And so these ministries that you hear us talking about locally, uh, you know, Young Life, being able to put our weight behind this ministry of investing in high school students and saying, we are going to come to you and we are going to go to where you are the way that Jesus did with us. And we're going we're gonna to find you and we're going to hide with you in that hiding spot and we're going to get in it with you. And young lives, so, so similar, these, these young teen moms in over their heads, if we can say, here we are, we're in it with you. We're, we're in that, the mess of that hiding spot and we are gonna walk this road with you and we're gonna speak about the gospel of Jesus. And save families, right? You are, a, a, you are able in that ministry to take children into your home and to say to these parents, we are with you in the feelings of being overwhelmed and in over your head once again, and we're going to love on your kid, and we're going to walk with you too, and we're going to invest in you as a family because we're going to be about your, again, total holistic healing and restoration. Yes, we want you to know who Jesus is. We want you to encounter the gospel, but we also want you to know that your kids are safe and loved. We want you to be empowered to parent well. We want you to feel supported. We want to extend our resources as a community to you so that even after your kid comes back to be with you, you have some new friends. You have some people who are in it with you, and, and what a joy. And, and even this community meal that we have partnered with NCLC in and now are, are taking on now that they are, are transitioning out, what a sweet opportunity to be in it with people who live around. Some of them walk, some of them take the bus, they come, we break bread together on a Wednesday night and we can say, I wanna know your story. I wanna see who you are and where you've been and the, the, the ups and the downs of your life. These are, these are things that we are excited about as a church. And so owning a building or not owning a building, the call is to serve, is to care for people, no matter what, for all believers. So what does pursuing this building, this exact building that we're sitting in right now, what does it mean uh, for us in the ability for us to serve and for the ability of us to do mercy, to do justice, to, to do mission as Christians? What does this building mean to that vision? How does it grow? How does it change? Yeah, so our vision doesn't change. You've heard us say that over and over again. The vision is the same. And yet our capacity to carry out that vision, I think does really change. And that's kind of, that's pretty exciting to think about what that means. So now in these strategic partnerships, 
that we already have, we have a little bit more to offer in terms of the resource of space on top of time and people and all of those things. And then I think even moving forward, we have a lot of room to dream and to ask God and even you, what are these things that we can use this building for to really bless this community? What does it look like for us to be rooted in this place, for us to be faithfully present at 114 Morse Road and to grow in our investment in this place? And I think our owning the building ups that significantly. Again, in our ability to dream and to make things happen, but also just our own sense of, like we've been saying, that rootedness in this particular place, this particular neighborhood, and desiring really to care for our community well. So talk to us practically now. Like you've told us about some of the vision, some of the actual ministries and things. How do we as groups, as individuals, as city groups, as just anyone who's involved here, how do we sort of practically get involved or or engage in some of these specific things or even things that you didn't mention? So one of the things I love about this passage that we looked at this morning, this isn't practical quite yet, but I'll, I'll get there. I trust you. Thank you. Um, is this idea that it, it gets into the tension of being in exile, right? And like Mike said, you know, they wanted to believe that they were just going to be in and out. Cool. Hannah and I, thank you so much for this good news. Two years, we can, we can live with that. We can coast for two years. And God says, I think he says five or six times in that passage, I have sent you into exile. Don't get confused about this. I did this to you. I brought you here. I am planting you here. And I want you to be here. I don't want you to coast. I'm inviting you to tie your welfare to the welfare of of this city. And that is a hard calling, and that's our calling. This is not our home forever. It's our home right now. And God is saying, I have sent you here, and I am asking you to tie your welfare to the welfare of this place. And so I think personally for us, that means walking in obedience and faith and actively tying our welfare to the welfare of this place. And so I think that means that we're willing to dig our own personal roots deeper in our neighborhoods, in this place. I think it means that we are humble. You know, if, if the Israelites were gonna plant gardens in Babylon, they would have to talk to their neighbors about like what kinds of things they would plant. You know, their, their plants that they would maybe have had back in, in their homeland, they, maybe they wouldn't grow there. You know, maybe they, the soil is different or the weather is different. You have to learn from the people that you are living with and around. And, and there has to be a willingness to do that. And so there's a great humility. And again, like Mike said, not just coming with all the answers, but coming and being in it. And again, that, that investment. And so I think personally for each of us, that looks like being willing to get, to ask ourselves, where, where am I with this? What, what is my capacity? How rooted am I? How can I dig my roots deeper? And how can I step out a little bit in, in being willing to tie my welfare to the welfare of others and the welfare of a place? And so maybe that looks like being willing to tie your welfare to some high school students' welfare. And, and to, to be in it with them, whether they're, you know, high school students who, who are far away from God and, and warming up or not warming up yet, whether they're young moms, 
Um, maybe it's tying your welfare to a family that is in crisis, tying your welfare to that kid, tying your welfare to that mom or that dad. Um, maybe it's sitting and breaking bread in, in a table in the fellowship hall and being willing to tie your welfare to the person that you're sitting with, to hear their story and to, to, to practice that, that thing that Jesus did so, so well and so incredibly, which is just being with people and, and valuing and validating um, who they are. And so, again, we, we want you, we, we want each of us um, I want this for myself. I want this for all of you to, to be able to, to dig into those things practically. And, and we already have some exciting things happening. We're going to continue to grow in this. We're asking God, what are, what are more partnerships that we can develop in, in the coming months? There's a lot that we're excited about that, that we're asking, yeah, we're asking God to lead us in. And so we would love for you to be in that with us and to, to personally and corporately uh, be willing to, to deepen those roots and to to tie that knot of, of my welfare is, is not just here, but I'm willing to tie it to yours. Yeah, well, thank you, Jenny. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for helping uh, all of us. I, and I know you've said this to me before, too. You're not the expert, right? None of us feel like we're, probably none of us feel like we're doing this great, right? Like we're doing this perfectly. And I think as we think about the implications of the gospel, it's easy for us uh, to understand the personal uh, uh, inside implications. It's easy to think about the church and how the Christian community, the church community is formed out of the truths of the gospel. Uh, but one area that I think all of us could probably continue to grow in uh, and continue to uh, think about and debate and discuss uh, and make moves uh, towards, leaning in towards, uh, is the idea of how the gospel affects us and how it changes us and how it pushes us uh, to engage with outsiders, with the marginalized, with those who are uh, not within our community. So thank you for that, Jenny, and um, that concludes the interview.